0: But we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I am your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, movie cowpoke, Melissa Kersher. Hello! <laughs> and movie, uh, I guess we're going to say, kind of dude rancher, uh, Jenny Young. haw
1: Yee-haw! <laughs> haw <Yeehaw>. haw <Yeehaw.
0: Yeehaw. laughs> It's the yee-haw scene. Um, anyway, uh, so... <laughs>
2: <laughs> that, that just kind of fell to the floor. Didn't well, it? <laughs> yeah, it's all right.
0: So here we are. We are going Yay. to uh, watch a movie called Stagecoach. So, Jenna, if you would tell us, what do you know about the movie Stagecoach? Okay. Uh,
1: stagecoach might have a stagecoach in it.
0: A stagecoach in it.
1: Right. mm I'm, I'm, I, I have several uh, guesses, but... Uh, yep. My brain is so fried right now. I'm just like, mmm, movie. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I would guess that it's a Western. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I would guess that, that uh, a stagecoach is involved um, in some way, shape, or form. Um, yep. That's what I got. That's what you know. That's what I got.
0: That's what you know. You know virtually nothing. Well, I'm, I'm- going
1: to go... I swear you guys have told me about this before, and I just, my, again, my brain is leaking out of my ears today, so. Well, we probably
0: told you two or three minor things about it, I'm pretty sure we told you it was a Western, that mm-hmm. was, yeah. that that is absolutely true. And probably... I thought I was
1: just being smart and witty, pulling that from
2: stagecoach <laughs> well, in the introduction, you're, but you're, you know. Your powers of deduction are still working. Yes. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. Oh, good, lovely. Lovely. Um,
0: It is, uh, and I think we were a little bit inspired after watching Hateful Eight, because there's the stagecoach at the beginning, and we're like, hey, we need to do an older Western, let's do stagecoach. Yes. Which, uh, I suppose the...
1: Is this of the spaghetti variety?
0: No, Ooh, no, no, no spaghetti to be found. This Aww, is this like is spaghetti. this is tried and true American Western.
2: Ooh! Uh, in
0: fact, this would be uh, one of the defining westerns of the genre. Mm-hmm. One of the one of the earliest that really establish uh, the language of westerns. Not, I mean, there were westerns before this film, yeah. but this establishes the language of westerns that I think most of us would be familiar with. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's uh, the, we'd have to, I think you might have to say most successful collaboration in the history of Westerns uh, is, I, I think it's begun. I got to, I, I need to, I, you know, I don't do research. That's your job. <laughs> yes, That's your is. job, Melissa. Yes, so I think it, I think it begins with this movie and that, yeah. that collaboration is the collaboration of the director, John Ford. And the actor John Wayne.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. so, I've heard about John Wayne.
0: John Wayne is in this movie. I, I the
2: spoiler. <laughs> uh. Yeah, this was. Um, John Wayne started out acting in the silent film era, and uh, really? he, had, did he had a very, very
0: long career. He had a
2: really long career. Huh. And, uh, you know, Tim and I had the good fortune of seeing a 35-millimeter print of haunted gold one year. Yeah. <laughs> which, Ooh, which, which is, which is, was, which is you know, a talkie. so
0: early. It's a talkie, but it's so early that John Wayne looks like a kid. Yeah. And it's hard to believe that he ever looked like a kid.
2: Yeah. And, and he hadn't become John Wayne yet. He, like, he couldn't throw a punch to save his life in that movie. Aww. But by this time...
0: And also you find yeah. out that the, his horse in that movie is named Duke. Mm-hmm. And that's where his nickname came from. Oh. John Wayne's nickname, the Duke, came from his horse in Haunted Gold. Oh, that's so.
2: fantastic. <laughs> Name the dog, Indiana. But anyway, uh, yeah. Stagecoach, the movie we're going to see tonight, is 1939, which is several years after Haunted Gold. And by this time, John Wayne does know how to throw a punch. And Yay. he has started to form the, the legend of John Wayne, the... You can see it, it's still in its forming stages, but he's starting to uh-huh. be the right. building. John, Wayne. But building the legend classic. of
0: John Wayne can't be fully formed without John Ford.
2: That's right. That's Ooh. right. Uh,
0: so that's where this movie comes in, mm-hmm. in in that it takes these two people who, who both, I, I think in a lot of ways in film, this is like an actor-director combination that really needed each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they would both produce very good films without one another, but uh, almost every touch point of importance, in especially in their in their their both in the rise of both of them, I- I- there is connected. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that's what we're going to see. We're going to see John Wayne, and we're going to see a lot of other actors, but really. You know, John Wayne.
2: Yes. (laughs) uh,
0: Directed by John Ford in Stagecoach. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to go watch Stagecoach. You should do the same thing right now. uh, It is streaming on Hulu, if you Mm -hmm. subscribe to Hulu. Uh, It has, in the past, streamed on Netflix. Uh, As of this recording, it was not streaming on Netflix. But I have a hunch it will come back uh, every now and again because uh, it's an old movie and it probably doesn't cost that much for them to get the rights.
2: Yeah, it's also one of the very... uh... Formative movies of the entire western genre. It's very famous, so it's it's easy to come across.
0: Yeah, you'll find it. Yeah. So, we're gonna go watch Stagecoach. We'll be back. And we are back. Apaches have been mercilessly oh slaughtered. God. There has been all oh. sorts of yeah, you know. Yeah. There is just a little bit I, of uh, well, it's uh, you know. We'll have to talk about a little bit about that we'll that go ahead that and finish that, your thing that and then. that part of the film. But yes. let's back up for a moment and say. Hey Jenna, what did you think of Stagecoach?
1: Okay, um, Apaches all over the place. Oh God, uh, <laughs> like that was that was a beautiful, wonderful uh, shooting scene uh, <laughs> with horrible undertones or overtones or just tones. Yeah. Um, I uh, what I did like was the uh, the, and uh, oh God, uh, like it's so relative here. Um, <laughs> the the uh, <coughs> the use of the Cherokee as uh you know these apaches are being are doing this thing like yeah they they don't like them anymore and like they probably hate the apache worse than we do and i'm like huh what time did this happen because (laughs) if we're talking you know 75 years earlier i could see that more yeah, but it's, the the it's later on tricky. you get in the the 1800s, the yeah. the less likely that's going to happen.
0: The natives are, are more more focused on on things other than fighting one another.
1: Right. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Right. For the most part. Uh, right.
1: So yeah, that that was that that tickled me in an awful way. Of oh, look at you, you're adorable. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, yeah, the. Uh, I don't know, man. The the criminal cowboy got the slut girl, so yay. Like I don't I liked it. I'm in.
0: What? Ah, but he wasn't a criminal. It's important to remember yeah. this is this is the haze era. If he was a genuine criminal, mm-hmm. he uh he would have had to go back to jail. But yeah. they make it very clear that he was framed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he true. was framed. He was in jail for a crime he did not commit, so it was all okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that he, that he, uh, but
1: she jail. was a slut girl. I mean, let's, you know, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah. Well, they're really careful about it. I mean, I mean, they, they, because, of course, once again, hey, Zara, they yeah. can't tell us that Dallas is a prostitute by saying, oh, she's a prostitute. They just have to make all the proper women treat her with disdain and then have him walk her home past houses of ill repute. Mm hmm. Um, to to drop the hint to an audience that hopefully is is well picked it up
1: when she showed her leg accidentally getting into a stagecoach like
0: <laughs> they might have picked that, it up that, then. that was
1: about the point I was like uh oh, oh that's what's going on there all right
0: yeah mm-hmm. so I,
1: I had my suspicions beforehand but that that really clenched it for me so. <laughs>
0: As it were. So yeah. Yeah. Um, The uh, yeah. It the the thing about this movie is uh, it is when we talk about um, sort of defining the the western genre from from that point on, Mm -hmm. you know, it is this you know the way they they carefully they establish they do a really good job of establishing some complex characters, some complex character relationships. Mm -hmm. They establish this group of people who is about to be placed in peril. And then they proceed to put them into a perilous situation. And it's it's interesting. And the reason that I thought Stagecoach was a nice follow-up to Hateful Eight is you can see Stagecoach all over Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and oh, yeah. almost every Western since and many other films that aren't Westerns. I mean, John Ford was one of the most influential uh, film directors in history. He made movies that weren't westerns. Yeah, he but... made many movies that weren't westerns. He made war movies. He, uh, he, when he <laughs> served in World War II, he was an incredible, incredible. Uh, documentary director he won two of his six directorial oscars making documentaries
0: six directorial oscars yeah. six the wow. dude that he yeah. won uh, he made the quiet man which is a a film that that has stars john wayne and it is in the least john wayne role
2: yes <laughs>
0: that that you can imagine
2: it's it's a it's a sweet little comedy in ireland
0: <laughs> yeah
2: it's oh my god yeah Romantic. Although there there is an extraordinary, there's a fist big fight. fight. There's, there's a big extraordinary fight, extraordinary fist yeah. fight. But uh, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a very cute little movie
0: that we'll probably have to visit at some point. I
2: uh, can we uh, can we release one on uh, March 17th and have
0: it be <laughs> after <laughs> day? Well, that would be <laughs> this one's coming out on the 15th, so uh, we have to do that. Hurry, but I mean, no, maybe next year. Maybe, maybe next year. Next year. <laughs> maybe next year. We'll okay. do that, but. Uh, <laughs>
1: Don't, don't forget. We're no. going to forget. You guys. There I'm are sorry, other sorry, things listeners. that
0: are like John Ford. We talked about Monument Valley while we were watching the movie. I'm excited because I'm going to the Monument Valley for the first time this May.
2: Yay. This was the first movie to film in Monument Valley. Mm-hmm. This is the movie that set the Monument Valley as like the stereotypical Western shot Um the, and
0: John Ford loved oh, Monument he Valley. Fell in he love shot with it. in it over and over and over again.
2: And it was because this film, uh, he when he uh, traveled out to shoot the movie on location, there was um, I think there was a local who just sat there and advocated for filming in Monument Valley because it's an incredible place. There were no roads going through there. There was no easy way to access it. But you got John Ford out there and John Ford says, oh, my God, I love it. Let's shoot here. And I uh, loved it so much that it appears three times in the movie. So, um, yeah, you know, after that, he shot, I think, three. Mm, several, like six more movies in. Monument I know the Valley.
0: Searchers has is, is there's there's yeah. Monument Valley shots in the Searchers. And yeah, yeah. He he really fell in love with this, the the um, place. And what's fascinating is is one of the big battles, the, the battles with the battle with the Navajos, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know racist and, but. and problematic. But <laughs> uh, it's interesting to know. I don't think it's the Navajo tribe, but Monument Valley is tribal land.
2: Yes, it is. Yeah. It, is,
0: it is controlled by a tribe, and it might be the Navajos. Yeah, I'm not looking it up in the moment. but
2: Navajos did play the Apaches in this movie. Uh, oh. And uh, actually, Navajos were very thankful to work on the movie because uh, they weren't doing so hot in those days. And John Ford came in and hired hundreds of them for Union scale. And, nice. Yeah, and so, uh, like, 200 of them alone worked on the chase scene yeah yeah like hundreds of these guys got hired
0: and the the, and of course one of the things that happened because of john ford is in monument valley has become a tourist destination yeah uh so that's helped them as well but the interesting thing i think the this this you know cowboys and indians thing which we don't we don't do any they don't do movies with cowboys and indian themes anymore mm-hmm. they really don't uh the, there's always the the complicated relationship of the native americans to the white europeans mm-hmm. um revenant which was up for an oscar this year is another fine example of a movie that 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 presents a much more complicated uh picture of that relationship um, but but you, but you didn't start getting portrayals
2: like that until The Searchers, which was, what, 1965?
0: Ni- yeah, and, which is a John yeah. Ford, John Wayne movie. Yeah. And the interesting thing about it is you watch this film, and John Ford and John Wayne, uh, in a in a town that is known for being quite liberal, both of them were actually pretty conservative. Yeah. But when it came well, to... John Ford was actually very liberal. Oh, oh was he? On my bed. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, he... Just didn't get into it much with John Wayne. John yeah. Wayne was a raging conservative. Raging, yes. but
0: one of the things they agreed on mm-hmm. was the Native American situation. Mm-hmm. They were both very strong advocates for Native Americans. You know, so we talk about how he paid all the Native Americans scale to work on on stagecoach. Mm-hmm. You know, he and Wayne both did a lot of advocating for the Native Americans. Um, and then you watch this film, and you're like, "Really? But there's still <laughs> yes. <you> know, <laughs> this
2: is this... still problematic. Very, oh, very, <laughs> very, and very and, they, very.
0: and they didn't, they didn't, re- you know, they didn't really think about it that way. And yeah. and so, so it's it's the interesting mix of their advocacy for Native Americans, and yet they make these films that have very racist depictions. Oh of, yeah,
2: and and yeah. I mean, you saw it all over. Media in those days, you know, no matter what race was being portrayed. I mean, sure. I mean, you even saw it here with the the Mexican character and
0: the uh, yeah again. The, I don't care about of, losing my wife, but that was a good horse. was a good yeah, horse.
2: Yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. And uh, or you know, like when we had mentioned *Haunted Gold* earlier, there was a a scared black man, you know, yeah. with the rather unfortunate portrayal <laughs> uh, in in that western, but it. it I guess it's progress by fits and spurts. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. But on the other hand, and we can, you know, to not spend all of our time talking about really, you know, setting this whole movie up to the point where a bah- but they get attacked by a bunch of Native Americans and just shoot them, you know, because mm. they're, they're faceless enemies. They yeah. just happen to be mm. faceless enemies who are Native Americans. But the rest of the movie, the way that they... they establish these characters and and oh, build yeah. build relationships with the characters is really well done mm-hmm. i mean when you think about the 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 complexity of like the gambler character who is kind of a cad mm-hmm. yeah and 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 the way that they set up this gambler character who's kind of a cad but he's a charming cad mm-hmm. and the captain's wife is more willing to accept help from him than she is from the prostitute. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and and but when she needs help when she really needs help, the people and, and the drunk doctor. So the people that help her are the two people that she's basically been treating with disdain mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. Um, so they they take all these these characters and these archetypes and they let them have the relationships that they would normally have but then they give a really good message about how people make assumptions about
2: oh, others yeah,
0: yeah. that are totally unfair
2: yeah this movie was uh, part of a wave in 1938 1939 they were the first a-list westerns um, I mean, like I said earlier, Westerns had been made in the silent era and were just being cranked out because they're they're good entertainment. But um, they were always considered kind of B-movie, kind of like uh, horror was through the 1950s. Sure. And so this and like four other movies made about the same time. Uh, suddenly, the studios threw a bunch of money and uh, some really talented people at these movies, and then you got started getting stuff like *Stagecoach*, and that's where you got these really amazing, more nuanced westerns starting to build up steam through the 1940s and 19, and especially like the mid 50s uh, through the 60s. The 70s had some incredibly nuanced. Westerns. But uh, this, was the start. this was the start of all that. Um, the B-movies before, um, here's a statistic that will kind of, you know, make you think about it. John Wayne's first film, uh, or rather the first film that it was featured in was in 1930. This stagecoach was made in 1939, or rather it came out in 1939. So nine years later, this was his 80th movie. Wow. Yeah.
0: He he worked his ass off. He
2: worked his ass off. Wow. And this is the first one where he was actually a star. I mean, he was almost always a leading man in pretty much everything he worked in. Um, I think the statistic is uh, by the time he died, he was in something like 250 movies and only 11 of them he was not the star.
0: But this is, you know, like not not like Christopher Lee territory, but still. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah, Another 50. He would have gotten up towards uh, Christopher Lee. But, um, you know, before then it was they were just, you know, cheap little Westerns being cranked out and, you know, as fast as possible. And this was something new. This is a movie that was made for about five hundred thousand dollars and it grossed a million by the end of the year.
0: Yeah, so yeah, this is big. John Wayne is a leading man before yeah. Stagecoach. He's a star yeah. after Stagecoach.
2: Yeah, part part of the reason John Ford really wanted to cast him in this movie. They were uh, friends a long time before this movie, but John Ford had never cast him in anything. And Ford really wanted John Wayne as this role, but uh, he kind of played coy with him in trying to bait him into the project. And uh, when he when Wayne finally got offered the project, uh, he said it was like being punched in the gut. He was he was so worried that the role was going to be taken away from him, uh, because he he'd never been in a movie like this. Hmm. So when you look at this huge cast of of, uh, of actors, Wayne was the low guy in the totem pole. <laughs> Wow. Everybody else was a far more established actor, uh, especially Claire Trevor. Claire Trevor was the big star. The uh, Claire Trevor being uh, the prostitute with Oscar. Yeah, I gold. saw her name at the top. Yeah, I was yeah like, she she was the highest paid audience. person on that set, and uh, and everybody else was really well established, and so Wayne was the the new kid and um, apparently not a great actor at the time. So um, John Ford, being the asshole that he was, uh, and he was by God, an asshole. Um, (laughs) Once Wayne was cast and got on set, he, uh, Ford would undermine him and make fun of him and all that as kind of a psychological play to make, actually get emotions. Oh (laughs) my God. (laughs) Ah. So in a a way, it kind of worked. And of course, you know, they worked together again many, many times. Since then, and uh, John Wayne became a big star.
0: Yeah, and they were really good friends. Yeah, pretty much, they were they through, were very good friends through their entire career.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: So the let's see, I'm just I'm trying to think of the other things that I thought about that are just like the, these moments. You know, the whore with a heart of gold.
2: Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Is is
0: is in this movie, and I think. I mean, it's well, it's kind of the
2: the sweet drunkard is part the of the sweet community. drunkard. Uh, the, God. The, the, the the drunk
0: the drunk who has a skill that's important and can execute that skill when you know, necessary, when when yeah. absolutely needed, and it's a redemptive moment. That's
2: yep, yeah, and in lovable comic relief guy, and the doctor, and the the snitled rich man. man, and the lawman, and yeah. yeah, yeah, and so it took all these archetypes, it just smashed them together, and. Um, Ford's real mastery, you know, aside from the construction of that amazing, very famous chase scene, is the opening like 20 minutes or so, or so of this movie um, is so tight. You know, those characters are set up so fast and so cleanly. Um, and then throughout the movie, that's when they start taking apart part and playing with the known archetypes. But the, it, it's just a very nice clean script it it's slick it moves fast what's, it's and good then, stuff
0: the yeah. really the what's kind of fun is they build up to this big shootout with uh-huh. the ringo kid and the these guys who murdered his family and then framed him mm-hmm. uh and then you don't even see it yeah <laughs> yeah you, yeah you see them you see them confront each other you hear some gunshots and we find out who won yeah.
2: well, both john wayne and john ford especially john ford hated violence and so whenever you see a John Ford film and there is violence, he'll pretty much cut away as soon as possible. Or he'll not even show it to you. And he's very coy about parts that are violent.
0: So, uh, very... for, for instance, our gambler character, we see mm-hmm. him, you know, which is, you know, we're given the theory that it's a mercy killing of, of the, he's going to do a mercy killing of the, of the cavalryman's wife. And uh, of course, then he's shot. Mm-hmm. And we don't see that happen.
2: Right, yeah. we see
0: right. the result. We hear, we hear a gunshot. We see him drop the gun. We don't, we don't yeah. get to watch that that happen. It's, it's nicely done visual storytelling, um, at a time where most films didn't do that.
2: Yeah, you know? I mean, they, of course, visual storytelling was the main currency of the silent era. But by this time, it's about you know ten years after we've had sound, mm-hmm. and you know directors are starting to fall out of that habit. And John Ford was one of the guys who just really maintained this super strong talent for telling stories quickly, visually, um, with as l- as little fussiness as possible, not fussiness, but as, as little um, uh, needless detail
0: as possible. Mm-hmm. Compact. Very his, compact. His stories are very compact. Very, yes. Very well told. Uh, Un-
2: unlike my language tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Melissa, do you have any other trivia written down there or interesting? Oh, I have like nine pages of trivia here. Factoids. Oh, God. Oh, so what are the fair. factoids about so Stagecoach? Uh, um, first of all, I want to talk about Yakima Knut, who worked on this movie. Yeah,
0: you can say that again.
2: Yakima Knut. Uh, he was the stunt designer on this movie, and Yakima Knut. I wanted to. Uh, God, you
0: can say his name so many times. Yakubakunit. Yakubakunit.
2: Yakubakunit. I wanted to look up a lot more trivia about him personally, and I just didn't have the time. But he was uh, the stunt designer on this movie, and uh, he. <laughs> he was pretty much like the first great stuntman in Hollywood. And he was the guy who, if I remember right, really started advocating for safety in the oh. career of stunt people. Uh, as an yeah. actor combatant, I thank you. Yes, yes. Yeah, and uh, he was kind of a legendary badass. And he was the guy who did the, you know, that that, be- that belly crawl, the, the belly... Um, stunt that you see
0: during the chase when he, when he jumps onto the yeah. horses and jumps jumps forward well, yeah
2: that was him and also when he, the uh, being dragged along the Wh- ground that was him
0: when he falls yeah. when the yeah. when the one character is shot while he's riding the horses mm-hmm. and falls and the and the stagecoach gallops over him yeah. that's him nice yeah. nice and
2: um <laughs> they only shot it once because uh you know he he very carefully planned the stunt and pulled off just fine and you know you got up and you said okay uh, if you want you can shoot it again and John Ford's like no I don't ever want to do that again (laughs) never ever ever even if we didn't get it I don't care we're not doing it again
0: I'm not putting you through that he's (laughs) like I'm fine yeah Yeah, uh,
2: if I remember right he also designed the uh, the bit where the stagecoach goes into the water and and fords the river and made sure that
0: was pulled off
1: no one died of dysentery I'm very sad no no, one died of dysentery and
2: the, um Well, they weren't going to Oregon.
0: That thing the, again, they that that that, that stunt of jumping onto the horses. Yeah. Which you see in tons of other Westerns and the stagecoach is where they came up with it and then you know that there are other Westerns are like, dude, yeah. We gotta, that's awesome. We gotta, we gotta do, that do that jumping on the horses to, to just do the jumping on the horses thing, what right? do you think? Yeah. yeah, let's do it, man. It'll be the, great.
2: The sad part about that whole thing was that, you know, back then this was still uh Part of the era of Hollywood, where when you want horses to fall over, you trip line them, and yeah. and so all these shots of the horses running along and the guy getting shot off the horse and the horse falls at the same time, it's a trip line. And of course, you know the horse doesn't know it's going to fall, so that wound up, you know, making a lot of broken and therefore dead horses. So it wasn't until uh, it was still a few years after this. I, I can't remember what the straw that broke the camel's back was, but... It was uh, a
1: tripwire. Yeah, well, it was a damn well, tripwire. It wire. was a
2: tripwire that yeah. broke the camel's mm. back. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember when they finally did away with that.
0: Yeah, I mean, that explains why at the closing credits it says no Native Americans were harmed during the making of this film but didn't say anything about animals. <laughs> yeah, they didn't
2: care about the animals.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, all right. what, what are our other, what are well, other interesting see. points that we need to make? Well, let's see. Certainly uh, nothing about the score. Because it's, you
2: know... <laughs> The, the guy who uh, wrote the score was apparently excluded from the credits. But um, <laughs> <laughs> there was a local shaman who uh, predicted all the clouds they needed, and sure enough, the clouds showed up. <laughs> 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 oh, that's fun. All right, so lots and lots of people, uh, aside from Yakima Knut Yakima Knut Yakima Kinnett. <laughs> Yakima Kinnett. Write that one down. Um, you know, of course, John Carradine, who... Uh, he played Hatfield, is in this movie. Uh, John Carradine being the father of David Carradine and Keith Carradine. And like I think he's grandfather to Martha Plimpton and um, pretty much every like half of Hollywood. He's just sired, Hollywood. He's sired
0: most of Hollywood. He sired most yeah. of
2: Hollywood. He starred in 300 films, which is probably the world record. Oh, and, wow. Uh, he,
0: Take that, Christopher Lee. Yeah,
2: yeah. and John Wayne. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he showed up. All the time, from the silent era until about the 30s or 40s, I think. He was arthritic, so he slowed down considerably in his Mm. later years. But, uh, yep, that's him. Also, uh, Andy Devane was in this. Uh, He was our lovable comic relief guy with with a cool voice, uh, playing Buck. He, if, um, if you remember the 1970s Robin Hood, the Disney I was
1: going to say that as my closing thought. He's Friar Tuck. He is yes. Friar Tuck. Like, every <laughs> time he talked, I was like, what's going on, Sheriff? Like,
0: ah. Well, his, um, I mean, I don't know when he died. But that voice, oh man. there are so many people that like if they do a Western, yeah, or they they do Western characters, that's a voice that they. and I don't know if it was him. I think it might have been. Uh, we'd we'd have to check. Who framed Roger Rabbit? There's there's mm. a point where um, the character has a gun and it's yeah. got a bunch of bullets and all of the bullets have these different iconic voices yep. and one of them is his yes. and I don't know if yes. it was if he was still alive and he did the voice for that because that would he would have had to be pretty oh. goddamn old yeah. by that yeah yeah
2: I think he he had passed on by then but
0: they, I mean it was somebody yeah. who did a really good emulation of his voice yeah he
2: did a ton of uh, cartoon voices in the seventies yep. but you know beyond that he was just this great little character actor, and he was fun to watch, and apparently his his voice was due to a childhood injury, as, as so many things are. Um, <laughs> he was running along with a stick in his mouth. And, dear <laughs> listeners, don't do that. <laughs> don't do
0: that. <laughs> uh, Unless you fell. want a long uh, career as... Uh... <laughs>
2: well, he couldn't talk for about a year, and then eventually started recovering, but it was kind of wheezy, and uh, he got his got his voice from that but you know it sure would suck to not be able to talk for so long right i i wouldn't survive okay so also we had uh speaking of character actors we had donald meek uh playing samuel peacock who uh had a long (laughs) career of playing uh doctor men or you know bankers and you know people of that ilk uh he was in tons of movies in this era he was in you can't take it with you and captain blood and state fair and um he came to the u.s in 1912 and you know started in movies after that of course but before he came to the u.s he played something like 800 roles on stage
0: oh my in Britain god
2: in australia
0: god, christopher lee it turns out he was a lazy asshole
2: <laughs> christopher yeah. lee only did like 200 movies <laughs> <laughs> Only <God>. seriously, <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, so yeah, now we're down to uh, oh, uh, Claire Trevor. I should talk about Claire Trevor a little bit. Uh, also a really great actress. Unfortunately, not many people remember her today, but she was in Key Largo and Murder My Sweet and The High and the Mighty. She really, you know, she was a star here. But from here, she launched into even bigger stardom during the uh, film noir era. So she got an Oscar for Key Largo because she was this, uh, she played this boozy, alcoholic, gangster mall who, um, you know, during kind of this lock in in Key Largo, she's the uh, uh, Edward G. Robinson character takes all the booze from her and she sings to get booze. And so there's just this the sequence where she's just rending her heart out trying to get through this song hoping she gets alcohol and she's a great little actress um she was actually around until the year 2000 she when she finally passed away um she started acting in 1933 she was really versatile she played these strong interesting female characters always fun to watch um so she was really well used here but beyond that, of course, we should talk about John Wayne. What? Who's that? John yeah, Wayne. Yeah, I know. Some guy. Know. Some loser. It'd, it'd be sad no. if I got through this whole trivia thing and didn't. Some say a lot whacker about John actor. Wayne. There Who is knows? A, there is a shit ton of trivia about John Wayne out there. I don't know if you guys know that, but um, <laughs> I heard he never rode a horse before he did a movie. That's about right. Oh. He also never served in war. Oh. <laughs> John Ford was. Pissed that he never enlisted in World War II, but uh, they—they were—they did a—I can't—oh God, I can't remember which film it was. But there was one wartime film where John—or not wartime, but it was a war movie that John Ford did with John Wayne, and in the credits, uh, John Ford credited all the actors with, with the title that they earned during World War II. Uh. <laughs> like i said john ford kind of an asshole actually really kind of an asshole but <clears throat> john wayne so yes one of the most famous hollywood actors in history did the searchers Rio bravo true grit um worked a lot with quiet howard Hawks, the quiet man yeah. um yeah just he made the
0: man who shot Liberty Balance. For anyway.
2: 51 years straight, he made at least one movie a year. Except for one year, which was, I think, 1975, where he didn't actually make a movie, but two of his films came out in that year.
0: So, was that the year he died? Know. I mean, he died No, right
2: he, in... he died in
0: 1979.
2: Okay. So he, he was born in Iowa. I've actually been to his house. It's just outside of Des Moines. It's still there. It's very lovingly taken care of. Oh. Um, it, it's a tourist trap, so you can you can go in and buy John Wayne stuff. It's the uh, cutest little town. It's I think it's Davenport, Iowa. It's adorable. Huh. Very sweet. There are flowers everywhere. Um,
0: John Wayne flowers.
2: John Wayne flowers. So yeah. he, uh, when, he was a, when he was a kid, he uh, moved to California with his family. They had a ranch for a while, and then the ranch went under, and then they eventually moved to the city. And... Uh, by some weird turn of events, he wound up knowing Tom Mix, who was a uh, silent film cowboy actor at the time, yeah. very, very famous. And uh, Tom Mix brought John Wayne in as a prop man uh, during the silent film era. And so after after some time, you know, working his way up, he wound up getting cast in films, and uh, I kind of already covered that period. So he finally, you know, after this long, long, very influential career, um, he finally got an Oscar for True Grit, which is interesting because it's not one of his best roles. I would have given it to him
0: for The Searchers, but... Most people would have yeah. given it to him for The Searchers. Yeah,
2: but the yeah. Uh, but True Grit was kind of like, mm, he's getting old, we should give him an Oscar. So uh, beyond that, he also got the Congressional Medal of Honor in the 70s. He um, He was a very... He was a lifetime friend of Ward Bond. He actually kind of kept this little team of uh, friends around him who were all, like, character actors in, in Westerns. And Ward Bond was probably when he was most often uh, seen around. But there was a uh, <laughs> a quote I saw from John Ford who was apparently tooling around on his yacht at one point and both Ward Bond and John Wayne were on the yacht and there's a journal entry from that cruise that says, caught the first mate, John Wayne, pissing in Ward Bond's flask this morning. Must remember to give him a raise. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah, there there are so many stories about John Wayne being... A prankster? Well, prankster, cantankerous old coots, uh, generally interesting person. There's a story about him. Uh, he was working on a shoot and he was staying in a hotel and he was trying to sleep. And Frank Sinatra was staying in the suite below him. And of course, ain't nobody sleeping if uh, Frank Sinatra's partying in the room below your room. So John Wayne went to, you know, check on the party, and said something very strong to the uh, bodyguard at the door who said, nobody talks to about Mr. Sinatra that way. And John Wayne, of course, decked him and hit him with a chair. And the party turned the sound down. So, you know, that's that's <laughs> kind of the way things went with John Wayne. Um, he was super-duper conservative. He... Um, There were many things that he said were pretty racist, even though he married three women, they were all Latino, or Latina, I should say. uh, He was very anti-gay. He, um, whenever war came up, he was very supportive of the war. Um, The the Vietnam era was very distressing to him. But very interestingly enough, he... In the later years of his life, he spent a lot of time in Panama. He just loved it. And uh, when Jimmy Carter came around, he was actually very supportive of Jimmy Carter, of all people. Because Jimmy Carter was one of the few people who were like, yeah, we should probably give the Panama Canal to Panama. You know? Because it's it's their their country country." and shit. (laughs) And uh, Wayne agreed. So um, he... Oh, and also... (laughs) Yeah, Wayne got a little bit fluid with his politics uh, when it came to people he personally knew. Like, he was friends with Rock Hudson, who was as gay as a tree of parakeets, and uh, he knew and that. And apparently
0: everybody knew that.
2: Yeah, and everybody knew that except <laughs> fans. Yeah. Uh, he worked with Kirk Douglas uh, several times, and Kirk Douglas was super liberal. It's super just, liberal. they uh, did not discuss politics on set. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's... <laughs> He was an interesting guy.
0: Yes, he was. And uh, larger than life. Yeah. Uh, John (laughs) Wayne. Larger than a lot of people. God, he was a big guy. Yeah, he was huge. He was a big guy. Yeah, really tall.
2: Yeah. Uh, Oh, oh, I had a story. This one's good, too. Uh, Michael Caine once (laughs) met him in the late 60s. (laughs) Michael Caine said, this is the advice that John Wayne gave to Michael Caine. Talk low, talk slow, and don't talk too much. And don't wear suede shoes because there was this guy pissing next to me in a bathroom and he turned around, hey, you're John Wayne and then he pissed all over my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: it's because the shoes, clearly.
2: Yes, yes. <laughs> so... so yeah
0: all right now do you do we have any details about uh, john ford I to do. go along with john wayne I oh, do, we do it's I like do. it's like you didn't prompt me and yet i knew yes I knew. yeah
2: because i still have uh, pages of notes to go oh, through my yeah goodness. <laughs> john ford um you know kind of branching from john wayne here john wayne was in a movie called red river uh directed by howard hawks in 1948
0: <laughs> and howard hawks is another big western yeah, director but anyway.
2: yeah fantastic director i love me some howard hawks but anyway
0: um, we'll get to Howard Hawks
2: John Wayne was very good in Red River and of that movie John Ford said I never knew the son of a bitch could act <laughs> <laughs> so John Ford he came to Hollywood because his brother was an actor uh, he had I think three brothers and one of them turned actor and so he started getting cast and roles, so John Ford kind of came along I think I think his brother was actually in Stagecoach I forgot to uh forgot to uh, look that up
0: well let me take a look i've got the imdb yeah. uh screen right up here by yeah. the way i'll be uh, thinking... <laughs> keep going
2: keep yeah. going yeah. so john ford he uh made lots and lots of movies he the stagecoach was his first western in 13 years i think it was he Started making movies in the silent era and um, was making a whole bunch of other movies during the 1930s. They just weren't Westerns. And then Stagecoach was his return to the Western form.
0: Francis Ford was indeed in Stagecoach. Yeah, that's what I thought. He played an uncredited role.
2: Yeah, bit role. So, yeah, when World War II came around, John Ford enlisted. He, um, I think he actually saw combat and then started to work in film he he did a lot of documentary film work during world war ii including um i think he filmed auschwitz he was one of the first people in auschwitz the uh the footage from that was used during the nuremberg trials but like i said earlier two of his uh, six directoral oscars were for his documentary work he won more oscars than any other director ever in Hollywood. Um, And pretty much every director that came after him cites John Ford as an influence. He was just very, very influential in how he told stories visually and how he put characters together. So of course, you know, everybody came to him for advice. There's this one story about a young director going into his office and um, John Ford being kind of cantankerous, he said, He took him over to these two photos on his his wall. And one photo, the horizon was really low in the picture and it was all sky. And the other photo, the horizon was high in the picture. And he said, all right, look, when you know why the horizon goes at the top of this frame or at the bottom, then you're a director. And then he shoves the kid out of the office. And that kid being Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Apparently, that was all the advice he needed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this guy goes on the top, all right. (laughs) There's also a story uh, of John Ford, you know, once again, talking about how cantankerous he was. He was, he was, this was during the Depression. Oh, my God. No,
1: I'm still on the past story. That's why he shot so much stuff in space. Oh. there's no horizon there's no horizon nice Mm, well
2: done well done Mm, thank you (laughs) (laughs) so during the the depression there's a story where uh, John Ford was walking out of his office and there was an actor that he knew outside begging for money he he needed a couple hundred dollars he was sick he needed to go to the hospital he he was you know down to begging for money and uh, to the horror of onlookers John Ford like tackled the guy and he was just so pissed to be asked for money and uh, you know sent the guy on his way but apparently another onlooker saw him later go to one of his assistants, write out a check, hand it off and the guy was soon treated, his, his wife was carted off to the hospital to visit him um, somebody bought their house for them oh. <laughs> and they were on a pension for the rest of their lives apparently from John Ford So, he, (laughs) like I said earlier, he was a liberal Democrat, even though he was an asshole. He, there's a story where he was working on a movie with John Wayne, I think it was in the 50s, and I can't remember who else was with them, but John Wayne and this other very conservative actor were, you know, bitching about, you know Liberals in government, or something like that. And John Ford walked over and he said, All right, shut up. You made your money under Roosevelt. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Damn. Um, When you see later photos of John Ford, he's missing an eye. And that's because he, uh, just before filming The Searchers, he got some sort of weird rash around his eye and literally it took his eye. So he has an eye patch. uh, during his later later years. Um, at one point of his life, he had an affair with Catherine Hepburn. Oh! Yes.
0: Not, I mean, not unusual.
2: Yeah, not, not unusual, but, you know...
0: Um, <laughs> Which is, it sounds very judgmental of Catherine Hepburn. I don't want to make that... Because Catherine Hepburn totally could sleep with whoever she wanted. No, it's true. And, yeah. <laughs> but, you know... Having an affair with her was not unusual. <laughs> yeah.
2: But uh, Hepburn dumped him and then uh, went off to... Uh, begin her lifelong love story with Spencer Tracy. And Spencer Tracy and John Ford worked a lot together prior to that time. Not for 20 years since. (laughs) Oh, dear. So, yeah, that's a little bit of story about john ford yeah
0: Yeah. two very i mean really interesting characters in the in the formative years oh absolutely of of the film industry so uh i think we're getting down to final thoughts Mm, so jenna final thoughts on Stagecoach?
1: Melissa already took mine Uh, no um, no no No. um i absolutely love uh the the um prostitute with the heart of gold's uh hair yeah she's lovely Her hair was yeah. amazing mm-hmm. like damn I want to be able to do that I didn't I didn't I mean obviously there wasn't as much amazing costuming to look at in this but mm-hmm. also when the 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 pickety old uh, little lady brigade comes <laughs> around like, yeah I kept hearing uh, talk a little peck a little from um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> cheap, cheap, uh, music uh, man music man thank yep. you
2: Yep. I was just like there they go <laughs>
0: All right, good. Melissa, final thoughts?
2: Um, John Ford could speak French, German, Chinese, and Gaelic. Also, did you know that John Wayne was almost cast in Blazing Saddles? No way! <gasps> what? Mel Brooks wanted him for the Gene Wilder role. Oh. <laughs> and John Wayne turned him down. John Wayne sent it, sent the script back and he said, It's funny as hell, but it's way too dirty. <laughs>
0: Aww. You wouldn't do it. I know. You know
1: what, though? Gene Wilder was really
0: good. Gene Wilder was really good in that role. He
1: really made that for me. I would not give up.
0: Gene Wilder in that movie. Knowing that John Wayne would have played that role is sad in one way, but in another way, you're like, why would you want John Wayne when you could have Gene Wilder? (laughs) Right. Um, Okay, so my final thought, as always, is to tell you what we're going to watch next. Yes. So our next film, it is uh, that time of year, we are going to watch the film that has just won the Best Picture Oscar. Yes. 2016. That film being Spotlight. And I have to say that whenever I think, I hear the name of the film Spotlight, I think of that awful Neil Diamond song, Heartlight. Oh, God. Oh, Tim. I'm going to tell you a story about Heartlight at some point (laughs) during our viewing, during our discussion of the viewing of Spotlight, just because it's a good story. Uh, so you've got that to look at. I mean, I'm, I'm giving you sort of a preview of the next next uh, episode. And not just the movie we're going to watch, but a story that you can look forward to, that you can anticipate. For the next 15 days, between this episode and the next episode coming up, you can be like, I wonder what this story about Heartlight by Neil Diamond is in this movie about Spotlight. Which this podcast about Spotlight, which I must make very clear, has nothing to do with Neil Diamond.
2: It, it, it doesn't. It it's, really it's, doesn't, Tim.
0: There is literally no link between Spotlight <laughs> and Neil Diamond, except in my extremely screwed up head, and
1: well, no. apparently mine. Jesus, so, Tim, why did you do that? And I don't. I, I can't think of the song right now either, so I'm good.
0: So <laughs> I'm good. Anyway, uh, thanks so much for listening. We hope you uh, join us next time for Spotlight. We'll catch you around. Yay! We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education.